0: If halal meat was double the price of haram meat, yeah. would we would we go to Tesco and pick up the haram chicken? Welcome to the Millionaire Muslim Podcast by IslamicFinanceGuru.com, where we talk halal investing, finance, entrepreneurship, and getting ahead in life. We're your hosts, Mohsin Patel and Ibrahim Khan. We're going to talk about mortgages, conventional
1: or islamic
0: is there such a thing as as an islamic mortgage
1: allahu akbar and we're straight into the heart of the matter um that's a big question my considered um opinion is that there is such a thing as islamic mortgages and um i live in a house currently where my uh, dad has bought on an islamic mortgage so we've actually gone through the whole process ourselves personally um, and, um, you know, as as our listeners will probably know We've written extensively on mortgages over the years So whilst I, I completely get that they're not, you know, perfect um, I think, given where we are um, in the 21st century In the UK, living as a minority And given the regulatory context and everything else um, I think that... Uh, going for an Islamic mortgage rather than a conventional mortgage is um, something that we should be doing as Muslims. And I I don't think it's justifiable to go for a conventional mortgage if you can get uh, an Islamic mortgage. What do you think?
0: That is a bold statement. Um, I personally... Okay, let's forget about personal for a moment. I want to talk about the standard arguments um, for and against Islamic mortgages, and maybe we can break that down for... Listeners, because I talk to loads of people. I'm sure you do as well. Not just through Islamic Finance Guru. Yeah. Um, as you said, we've got a bunch of articles on there about mortgages. So if you go onto the website and maybe just type in mortgage, you'll see the articles that we've got on there. Yeah. Um, but just in our own lives, people um, have come to me on numerous occasions and talked about Islamic mortgages, and it always goes. It always goes back to the same thing: of is it truly Islamic? Um, And I just want to talk about a couple of the arguments that standardly get put to me because yeah. um, I share the same view as you, ultimately. Um, but one thing that people always say to me is that, you know what, I, I just don't buy this whole Islamic mortgage idea because it doesn't matter what you call it. The fact is that you are borrowing money from a bank to buy a house And you're paying the bank more than what you borrowed. Yeah. I mean, how can you possibly say that that's not the same as a conventional mortgage? Uh, It's a very good question.
1: And I think it comes back down to, uh, at the heart of it, the risk profile that's being shared. And... What do you mean? What does that even mean? Right, so if you are investing in a property as a as someone who invests in that property then uh, and as an owner then you you have to bear the downside of if things go wrong right in that property itself yeah and so that's under a normal mortgage yeah no uh, yeah right that's under a normal mortgage or or if you um uh Actually, I'm not even sure how it works. I'd have to check on, on under a normal mortgage. But, I mean, if you if you buy a house outright, yeah. something goes wrong, um, then you're liable, right? Let's say the house burns down. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're liable. Under, I, think, I
0: think under a normal mortgage, you are obliged to get insurance yeah. to protect you against things like that. Exactly,
1: yeah. But let's say you didn't get insurance. You would actually technically still be on the hook for that debt. Um, and uh, the bank if you defaulted on that debt the bank really wouldn't be able to do very much because the house is burnt down but technically the bank um you know is owed that money whereas in an islamic mortgage um let's say the house burnt down and you didn't have endurance um the bank would have to bear an equal amount of the loss and is that what they do then so so now here's the rub so i think uh, that it, you know there are as i said in my article i think there are there are problems, some problems with Islamic mortgages. One of them is that uh, they get you to take out insurance um, and maintain insurance on the house. Mm. Um, now, you know, ultimately you can take a bit of a view on this, but given that it comes back down to the risk-sharing element of all of this, um, that's what distinguishes a, a, an Islamic profit or Islamic equity share model mm. with a debt. Uh, you know, contract that you have with a bank. Right, stop Um, there. I'm
0: going to break that down. Islamic equity share model versus debt. Yeah. Now, what you're touching on there is actually quite a key element of why Islamic mortgages are different. So can we just expand on that? So this is a conversation I was having quite recently with with someone um, where they didn't fundamentally see the difference between the ownership structure of a conventional mortgage against the ownership structure of an Islamic mortgage. Yeah. Um, now, I just want to talk around things, and maybe you can correct me. So, in a conventional mortgage, the legal structure is that a bank will provide. So, let's say the house is a hundred grand. Yeah. Bank gives you. I mean, it might not sit in your account, but it might sit in a solicitor's account, for example, but. The reality is they're giving you 100 grand. Yeah. You buy your house with the money that the bank gives you. Yeah. They have what's called a first charge on the property. Hmm. So that if you start defaulting under your contractual agreement with the bank Hmm. to pay them, I don't know, 300 quid a month, their first charge on your property means that they can come in and take possession of your property to recoup their loss yeah so the ownership structure is that you own the house banks got a charge on it Hmm. am i right yeah islamic ownership structure is different generally speaking it's a partnership model where well you tell me what, what what is the partnership model i understand broadly that it's a partnership model but yeah how does it work exactly so it's i mean frankly it's uh
1: it's uh, to to get hold of all of the underlying like uh, contracts and to get hold of the actual structure even as someone who's actually been through the process is let me tell you quite hard um and someone
0: like you who can actually understand it yeah. as a lawyer
1: uh, it, uh you i think part of it is because um you know, Islamic banks they see it as proprietary, mm. and so they don't want to share exactly how the whole the whole legal structure works. That's a problem,
0: though, isn't it? Transparency.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm not a fan of um, of how they do it. Um, I think they should be much more transparent about their contracts. But but basically, the the way that um, it works is you the bank will take uh, the freehold. Uh, I mean this is in theory I'll yeah. go into the actual practicalities of it but the bank will take a, a lease uh, a freehold um, so it will take um, the the ownership of the actual house mm. and then um, it will uh, sell you a lease um, on that property uh, so you have a long term lease on that property
0: yeah.
1: Um, and you're paying that down um, over the course of you know however many months and then once you've paid off The entire amount. Let's say you buy a house four hundred thousand, and they sell you this lease for like four fifty or whatever it is, Mm. and you pay that down. Then they will transfer over the freehold to you. Um, So I think that's the theory. Yeah. But in practice, from what I recall, um, actually happened, um, they uh, they were a named party. I think it, they were na- they were certainly a named party on the insurance policy, um, and, and I actually think um, um, thinking back now um, from the legal side of things, that is actually how it happened. So they bought the property, and then there was a leasehold arrangement. Um, so actually, yeah, I think I think that's exactly how it worked. So um, taking a step back, uh, that's the difference. So yeah. an Islamic mortgage, the way it works from a really simple perspective, is. There's a house of 100,000, you have 20,000, they have 80,000, the bank has 80,000, and you own 20% stake, the bank owns 80%, and over time you buy back more, and you only pay rent on the amount that you own, on the amount that you don't own. So let's say over time you get to 50%, and the rent per month in that area is 1,000 pounds a month, Yeah. you would only pay 500 pounds a month. So that's the theory. Uh, so the bank gets its the interest equivalent is a rent, um, and yeah,
0: interesting you say that. I was just going to pick up on that. So yeah. we talk about rent, and we talk about you know whatever you want to call it, rent, profit, whatever you want to dress it up as. Is this not just interest? Um,
1: not really, no, because if if there is. I mean, what's the difference between um, uh, interest and profit? It's, it's actually quite hard to pin down. But rent uh, it, rent is actually quite easy because rent is the use of something, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's quite easy to distinguish from interest, which is the use of money, right? Um, and profit is just simply something that you add as a markup And you're selling something You're selling an item As opposed to selling money Uh, And so there's always an item involved there
0: So you're saying then Yeah That what makes a conventional mortgage haram Is the fact that So you know I said that the bank gives you your money Hmm. You buy your house Yeah The bank charges you Interest Interest because That's haram yeah That's haram because it's, it's the money that they're charging you on yeah and i suppose the difference between that and an islamic mortgage is that the bank's not charging you for the use of money yeah they're charging you for the use of a tangible asset which is the property itself exactly it's the rent on that yeah so that's the difference structurally it's just entirely different yeah um and i i mean i always use an example it's quite a It's quite a trite example. Yeah. But I feel like sometimes I have to use these sorts of examples just to bring things home a little bit to people. Um, And I always say that, you know, standard argument, another one, standard argument is, oh, Islamic mortgages are really expensive. Hmm. And I always say, oh, do you know what? I mean, it's not. But in theory, if halal meat was double the price of haram meat, yeah. Would we would we go to Tesco and pick up the Haram chicken? And that cuts to two points. One, the expense point. Yeah. But two, you know that whole structure thing that we just talked about? Yeah. Where another standard argument is that yeah, what yeah, you know, that's all well and good, Ibrahim, but the fact is that it's all the same. You're paying more money than you borrowed. Yeah. Um and to that I you can use this chicken example again, which is to say, well, the chicken tastes the same, doesn't it? Whether it's halal or haram, <laughs> it's just the the structure yeah. equivalent is yeah. the is the method of slaughter. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think about that?
1: Um, I I agree. I think it the the whole halal chicken analogy is quite useful because you know if, if, if halal chicken was more expensive, and actually some halal chicken, like organic halal chicken, mm. will be more expensive than organic non-halal chicken because of the scale. Yeah, exactly. Because of the scale, and that makes sense to us, mm. um, and we we understand that. Yeah. But for some reason, um, we don't really understand it in the in the context of banks, because I am not really sure why. I think it's maybe because they're a bit more alien to us. Um, but actually, these guys have the same issues, which is, you know, people like Al or Al Ahli or whoever they are, are uh, they have a market of about 2.5 million Muslims Hmm. to sell Islamic mortgages to. No non-Muslim is going to buy an Islamic mortgage because it's just more expensive. Yeah. Right?
0: Doesn't make sense for that.
1: So you've got 2.5 million Muslims that they can target versus um, HSBC Bank, when they give out a mortgage, they have like 70 million people that they can target. Yeah. So it's just a much bigger market and they're a much bigger player. Um, And so to expect this boutique this small player in a targeting a niche to have the exact same prices as uh, a conventional provider I think is um, is unfair uh, quite frankly and even if let's say even if the underlying uh, mechanics of it and the underlying structures and the you know the financial pipework is all the same just by the mere fact that you know they've got a smaller target audience, and that target audience by you know a uh, consequence of demand and supply that target audience needs to have Islamic mortgages um I think that alone justifies them charging a bit more yeah um, because as long as people are willing to pay for them um, I think that's that's justified and you, you might say, oh well well hang on so you're saying they could charge you know loads more than they are, and that would still be justifiable well no i I, I don't think that I think from a pure technical perspective Yes it would be justifiable But what would happen in that case What would happen is You'd get other banks coming in Islamic banks Or other even not You know conventional banks And say hang on We can do the same thing If we structure a bit more And we can make it compliant Yeah And, uh, and we can undercut these guys mm. So it would just be a, a, a sheer consequence of the market Yeah um, You know playing out mm. um, So um, So I think I, I mean I've completely forgotten your your question now.
0: The the question was um whether my halal chicken analogy was a, was a decent yeah, one. I I think and it was. Yeah, I think I think it is. That's good to know. I keep I'll definitely keep using that. Um so then so we've established that you know conventional mortgages are structurally very different. We've established that Islamic mortgages are structured in a much more uh, halal manner, Yeah. But we've also acknowledged that there are some problems with Islamic mortgages. So one of the things that you mentioned was for example that they don't completely share risk. Yeah.
1: So I feel like they should buy the insurance or they should contribute to the insurance cost. Yeah. themselves. Proportionate
0: to what they own.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Because if that's if that comes down to the heart of the matter, doesn't it? Mm. Um the the risk profile of an Islamic bank is different if things go wrong, if a risk of in comparison to a conventional bank. Yeah. Now with insurance that masks everything. Yeah. But
0: if that's the case, then
1: at least you should be contributing to the, to the insurance
0: to the actual cost of the insurance, and yeah. it's negligible. It literally is negligible. Yeah, uh, yeah. In the wider scale of things, absolutely. Um. So I think they should be. Uh, pro- so that would be quite an easy win for them in terms of attaining more complete Sharia compliance. Yeah. What are some other problems with uh, Islamic mortgages?
1: Um, so another one that comes up is, um, why do Islamic mortgages charge, you know, rent at a a LIBOR plus whatever percent, um, as opposed to an actual real life rent rate in that area?
0: Right. So let me, let me just break that down. So, um, LIBOR is the rate at which banks lend to each other. Um, And you're saying that because Islamic banks peg their sort of rental rates at the rates of LIBOR. Yeah. Um. There is an argument that that poses a problem, and actually, what they should do is, you know, if they're buying, you know, your house in London somewhere, they should look at the values on that street or that area and actually put their rental rates at that rate exactly
1: yeah so that's that's the argument and I, and actually they don't do that they just they will give you they will charge the rent at libor instead mm. and uh, and my view on this is actually that it makes to be honest it makes sense for them to um um to charge the libor rate uh, and and i think this for two reasons one is that it's, it makes it easy um, to compare against the wider market um, because, let's be honest, Muslims who are going to be buying mortgages, they will also compare against the conventional market Yeah, uh, just to get a sense of, you know... <laughs> well, we
0: know that they do, right? Because that's a big that's a big argument. I mean, it's not a really valid argument. Yeah. But people always say... Yeah, true. ...Islamic mortgages are far more expensive.
1: So they've clearly been doing the comparing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the other thing is that it's not I'm not sure it's practical um for islamic banks to um be able to charge a rental return uh based on your local area because they're not they're not estate agents um they're not in the business of um renting products so it might it might be easier for them to um i can see from your face that you don't necessarily
0: yeah no i mean i think I think I agree with the point that it's easier from a practical perspective to just have a standard rate. Yeah. Um, but what I would say is that, you know, you said before yourself that these are boutique and niche products. So if you're going to, you know, if you're going to put yourself out there in the market as a boutique player yeah. and a niche player, should you not then be catering to the needs of your uh, your audience? And, yeah. and what is there to do in reality? Um, you yeah, find yeah. a local estate agent... Um, and if you're a bank, you could probably build up yep. uh, a sort of stream of estate agents that you trust up and down the country, and say, "Here's the postcode. Come back to me with average rental for this type of property." Yeah. And I don't think that that's a massive ask.
1: Well, it's interesting you say that. I I agree with what you've just said. That is, it it's doable and it's actually being done. Okay. Right. I mean, there there are small startups. Um, that are in this space uh, You know the shared equity space And they do actually have the data The, the data is now available okay. Um, and you can quite easily Work out uh, You know what the rent should be in that area mm. um, As part of the Due diligence per um, You know per uh, Application for a mortgage Yeah. Um, you can either Look at the data or you can even just do a quick Zoopla search or whatever yeah. To work out what the rent is mm so i I think it's possible, and it's being done by some shared ownership scheme people who peg their return to let's say the London average of that area, yeah um which is I think is, is reasonable enough,
0: and to me that just seems a lot more equitable and fair, but there's
1: a twist go on, and that's that these people are more uh, more expensive as a result of that right um and and that is ironic because <laughs> i i always, I find this like bizarre that you know we on the one hand people complain. That Islamic mortgages are more expensive than <laughs> conventional mortgages, yeah. and they also complain that they don't use. They're not Islamic uh, enough. They're, they're not Islamic enough, yeah. um, and then but then if you push them on that Islamic enough stuff, <laughs> then it turns out that they're going to be even more expensive than conventional mortgages. Yeah. So their like first qu- problem is going to be even more exacerbated. Even, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you you can't like really. Win. Yeah, I
0: mean, look, I I feel like if you're going to say Islamic mortgages are expensive, you should just stop there because you're not really going to be convinced, are you? But if you accept that it doesn't really matter about the expense point, what matters, you know, if you're truly being principled about it, yeah. what you should be saying is it's not the money that worries me. Yeah. It's the fact that I don't believe that this is a truly halal product. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so I feel like you can't have... You either have the argument that it's expensive and therefore I'm not going to go for it, yeah. which is, in my opinion, completely flawed and completely weak. Yeah. Um, but you can't have that in addition to an argument which says these are not Islamic enough. Yeah. Uh,
1: and then the, the, one other thing is, um, I suppose a couple of other things. One is um, that uh, Islamic mortgages, they, they don't necessarily share the downside in case the property loses value. Um, and this is a this is a big concern for people who say, Well, you know shared ownership, you know shared profit and loss yeah what
0: 's that all about? I do actually know a provider that does share in that sort of risk yeah, uh, yeah so, we, some are appearing and and agreed so so there there's definitely a few shared equity um
1: you know providers out there, but they will charge more um because yeah. they'll actually charge you rent yeah on that um and uh, but but my answer to that is actually. Um, I- I'm fairly comfortable with um, Islamic mortgages saying that we're not going to share in the downside on this. Yeah. Um, on the basis that, let's say you inherit a property mm. uh, from your, you know, your deceased parent or something, mm. and that property is worth a million, let's say. Yeah. And then there's a bit of a credit crunch, mm. and the property goes down to six hundred thousand. Yeah. At this point, one of your brothers, let's say there's three of you. One of your brothers needs to sell out um, and you know he, he wants to set up his own business and he wants to cash in his £200,000. Let's say there's three brothers. Mm. Um, and you say, well, no. I, it needs all three of you to agree before you can sell it. And But you say, no, I don't want to sell it at that price, um, at the 600000 600, because that's going to get me uh, a lot less than I would otherwise. So actually, um, either we don't sell it or you pay me the equivalent of what I would have got if I was um selling it at a million. Mm. So in this case it would be 333,000. Yeah. Um and if the other brother says the same thing, then clearly it's not worth having a sale. Yeah. Um and so the Islamic bank is saying the same thing, which is look, I own this property, um and this is what I will buy get bought out at. Yeah. Uh and now it's up to you if you um you know, if you want to do the purchase or not? Mm. Uh, that's the value of the of the property. Now, that's so. That's one answer to the problem, and that's a conceptual answer. The other legal answer is that well, if you've uh, if you've bought a lease off them mm. um, at a certain price, um, then you know to to fulfil that lease uh, to as in to pay, buy that lease, you need to pay the amount that you need to pay to actually buy that lease. Yeah, you can't then. Uh, you know, vary it just because that underlying the, value of the property has
0: changed. Yeah, you've got a contract there, and you've got to adhere to that contract. Yeah. Essence. Okay. Um. So I think where we're at right now is we're saying that conventional mortgages are not okay. We're saying that Islamic mortgages are broadly fine. Um, there are some problems with them, but yeah, in this day and age, um, they're the closest thing that you'll get to some. Yeah, you know, it's a halal product. Yeah. Um, and we're also saying that there are some more niche players out there that are perhaps providing more complete solutions. Um, completely halal solutions, yeah. Completely halal. Um, now, just very quickly, because obviously... And, and if
1: you do want to find out, um, you know, get in touch with us and maybe we can, you know, potentially introduce you or something.
0: Yeah. Um, now, just lastly... Um, because obviously we talk on this podcast um, about growing wealth and all that stuff. So I just want to talk about property investment very briefly, even though we might end up doing a separate podcast on this. But just while we're on the topic of how to finance property, um, there'll be lots of you out there who are interested in investing in property, but you will realize that to do that, you need a significant amount of capital. If you're not going to leverage through a bank. What would you say to, to people out there who want to invest in property, but they're worried about not being able to do it in a halal manner? What options do they have, or should they just forget about it if they're just a normal... Uh, if they're just normal yeah. Joe blogs, if you like?
1: Um, so, for a start, Islamic, mortgage, Islamic banks, some of them do offer um, liquidity. Uh, they do offer... Um, an Islamic mortgage on a buy-to-let type thing, yeah, uh, and commercial properties. So you know you, there is that option out there. Um, but let's say you don't want to go for that, then even then, I think there's uh, there's a few uh, crowdfunding um, Islamic, you know, Sharia-compliant crowdfunding platforms out there. Mm. Um, and you might you might say, well, hang on, why why is that Sharia-compliant pr- crowdfunding as opposed to just saying you know property crowdfunding? What's Sharia compliant about a property uh, investment platform, which in itself is fundamentally should be Sharia compliant? Yeah,
0: because everyone's putting some money in and there's yeah. no leverage involved, right?
1: And the answer is that um, a lot of other property crowdfunding websites are actually debt-based these days. Right. Um, and that's just the way the, the, the market has grown. What do you mean, though? Um, so uh, historically, if, you, want, if uh, you go on these property crowdfunding websites, all of the things that you're investing in are loans, short-term loans to um, you know uh, construction companies or whoever yeah. who's going to be developing that property?
0: Yeah, and often you can you can pick those out by look, looking at the language of, of the products, right? So a lot of the time on these crowdfunding websites, and even you know generally, you see a lot of things like you know invest as little as a thousand pounds and get fixed eight percent returns. Yeah. Um, typically, those yeah. sorts of things are well. I mean they're not okay full stop um but generally it's a bit of a giveaway that what they're essentially doing is taking money um offering a fixed return um and what they're going to do with the money is something entirely different that's going to get them more than that eight percent that they're paying for that money yeah um so you can usually um spot those um so okay so property investment you've got islamic banks who give you some options You've got um, crowdfunding, crowd Islamic can crowdfunding options as well, and then I suppose you can um, also do um, partnerships with people yeah. because let's say you know
1: debt is a form of financing. The bank, you don't have money. The bank will give you money and it'll charge you for it. Um, but there's another option, which is you don't have money. Someone else does have money. They will charge you equity for that. So rather than charging you interest they will share in the profit and loss of whatever venture it is with you. Um, And um, that is probably more feasible in a a development and a, you know, a a refurbishment context rather than a buy to let uh, because there's more margins to be made. Yeah. Um, But that's, that's genuinely another option and it's more, you know, it's something that obviously Islam has always uh, encouraged to share in the profit and risk and uh, et cetera of, um, of a venture although that's not necessarily um, you know something that you should always always do um, because you can get fixed returns using rents and other things as well um, but yeah but that's, that's another option out there
0: interesting okay brilliant um, so that's basically it guys on uh, mortgages I want you to subscribe to the podcast so that you find out whenever a new episode's out I want you to go on islamicfinanceguru.com Check out the articles that we talked about on mortgages um, and get in touch with us. Uh, you know, we're on we're on the contact page on the website. Get us on Twitter at IFGuru. Get us on uh, Facebook on Islamic Finance Guru. Check out our YouTube videos. There's loads going on. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.